What's up? It's Kaylee Cuoco. When it comes to travel, we all have a happy place. I just went to my happy place. I just went to Maui, and it was truly amazing. Priceline has always been about getting you to your happy place for a happy price with deals you really can't find anywhere else, like up to 60% off select hotels in Costa Rica or five-star hotels for two-star prices in Cabo. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Welcome back to the Final Four is not on the schedule of Blue Wire Podcast. He is Rod. I am Cameron. Uh, and unfortunately, Rod, this is the dreaded podcast <laughs> that, that probably a lot of listeners were hoping never to hear. But the decommitment of Amani Bates. Um, this came down, what, Saturday night, I think? Um, it was Friday, you, actually. Friday, Friday, Friday night? Friday afternoon. I saw, yeah. yeah, I saw. I wound up seeing it Saturday morning. Uh, uh, really disappointing. I, I'm sure there's a lot of people out there that said, I told you so. Um, but, you know, what's his, his, basically what he said was he was opening up his, um, uh, you know, commitment to, College and pro opportunities. Yeah, what that means. Uh, well, that's a yeah. I I think I think the thing that I found because look, we talked about this for a long time, meant over the course of a two three years, and I still think, and and I know for a fact, I'm not guessing that there was a belief on that family's part that a college route made sense for him financially. Mm-hmm. I mean, look, you don't need to look any further than the number one kid in the 2021 class, Chet Holmgren. Yeah. He's playing college basketball. He's going to Gonzaga, right? That's a kid who ticks a lot of the same boxes Imani does as just a freak, you know? And I think that he's going to likely do himself a lot of good financially by virtue of playing. Now, the, the one thing I would say is I'm not sure Gonzaga is the best option for doing that, not because people don't pay attention to Gonzaga, but more because just by virtue of them being on the West Coast, mm-hmm. you're not maximizing eyeballs the way you do if you play for a school in the Eastern or Central time zones. That's just a reality. But regardless, yeah. they made that choice. You know, I think the same logic still applies to Amani, in my opinion. And I know at one point it did for them. Um, I think the th- if there was anything that was truly shocking in this, though, to me it was the fact that it was framed as a decommitment. Because that suggests that it's possible he could play college basketball somewhere else. Yeah. Um, I don't think that's very likely. The way I look at this is this is an indication that, in fact, he's going to be playing for pay somewhere next year. Mm-hmm. I would be very surprised if he plays college basketball at this point. He's We're several days into this now. We're recording this Monday evening. Um, he, I believe I've seen, has offers from Memphis, Texas, Tennessee, Tennessee, and George Washington. Um, George Washington. Oh, that's now, a long shot. <laughs> right. But 
notice who's not there. Duke's nope. not there. Yeah. Kentucky is not there. Um, you know, UCLA. I mean, you can go, you can go on and, you know, Michigan for that matter hasn't gotten involved, which doesn't surprise me. Um, I think this now is at this point, it's pretty clearly for show. Um, I think they don't want to rule anything completely out, but I, I, what, what I've heard since having some discussions over the weekend is that an option that I didn't think was very realistic, which was playing overseas might be a lot more realistic now, specifically China, which I had never really given any, any attention to. Now guys have gone to play certainly. Lots of Americans have played professionally in China. Mm-hmm. Nobody in this circumstance has done it. The kids that have done this have gone to, if you go back. Australia. Well, pr- recently it's been Australia, the NBL. That's where ball played, and there have been a couple of others. Um, R.J. Hampton played in that yeah. league. Uh, but prior to that, if you go back to the uh, initial implementation of one and done, Brandon Jennings, I believe played in Italy. He played a year. I know he played on a team that had Andre Hudson, uh-huh. uh, as a matter of fact. Uh, I remember there was a big man from California named Jeremy Tyler in that same period who went to play in Israel for a year. So there have been guys that have done this, but nobody's ever gone to China. That is being brought up in relation to the Imani Bates situation. I, I got to tell you, I don't love that personally. I don't think that's a good idea. I don't think it's a. I don't think it's a good idea for Amani next year without having had the benefit of at least a year in a legit strength training program that you could get at a high level D one program. Yeah. I don't think it's a good idea to be going playing grown men physically for him. I think. I think he really. And and this isn't saying. You know, I, I don't want this to be construed as me saying, oh, he's not ready because that, that talk doesn't really matter very much. But I do think physically um, that will be a test if he plays anywhere professionally next year. The other thing that people have mentioned, I still don't take it seriously until I see it happen, is this overtime thing. Mm-hmm. This, this league that's got some investment money behind it, but doesn't make a great deal of sense to me on any level. I suppose it's possible that the people behind that could decide that they want to break the bank with a statement and, and sign Imani and he decides to do it. He and his father decide to do that. Um, but somehow, some way at this point, I'm now in the camp that I would be betting on him playing professionally. I'm just, I, I really thought in the end that would not be seen as the most advantageous route financially i'm not talking about any of this is he ready or not nonsense because that's really kind of an irrelevant question yeah i just thought financially high level d1 at a michigan state made a lot more sense they've obviously decided otherwise now i know for a fact for a long time they were of that belief again i'm I'm not guessing about that Mm -hmm. um but that changed thing you know that was something we always Whenever we discussed this, we talked about it. I had strongly held opinions about it, but at the same time, we also always offered the caveat, you know, things can change, perspectives can change, 
No one truly knows what he's going to do until he does it. Well, we're, we're where we are. Yeah. Uh, you know, it, the other thing that kind of emerged in conversation this weekend is that, you know, and this is no surprise, we knew that Michigan State's staff was not county. They didn't have a jersey number picked for Imani yet, you know. Mm-hmm. I mean, they were not looking at this as a lock until it was done. And I honestly didn't. One one thing you can look at as a positive if you're a Michigan State fan is I didn't think we'd see this kind of decision come down until the summer. I mean, I've been consistent about that. That's what I had heard. The fact that it happened now gives them more of an opportunity to figure out what, if anything, they're going to do. Well, what, if anything, they're going to do in the transfer market? Yeah. It's a lot more time to work with. Um, and decide if you're going to add pieces. And I do think they need to add pieces. And frankly, t- to be honest with you, you know, a talent like Amani Bates, you take. There's, there's just, I understand the questions a lot of people had about the way he played this year, shot selection, all of those things. That's all fine. There's some legitimacy to that. But the fact is, a talent like him, if you have the opportunity, you take him 10 out of 10 times. Hmm. That said, I do not think Amani Bates would solve the biggest remaining issue for Michigan State in terms of their roster composition. To me, that remains an experienced wing who in particular brings defensive capability to the equation. Michigan State has added guys already. Mm -hmm. Take Amani out of it, who I think are going to be effective offensive players as freshmen. Max Christie, most notably, but but Jaden Akins and Pierre Brooks, too. I think all those guys will be able to score as freshmen. Where I have my concerns is the other end, and and that's not something Amani would solve. Amani would strengthen something that's already, I think, got some positives to it, which is this young offensive perimeter talent, you Mm -hmm. know? Yeah. Yeah, so I mean, if if you look at it from the perspective of their needs, they're really not out that much. I mean, this was always going to be a bonus, right? Kind of the icing right. on the cake. I mean, well, here here's what it does. Um, for for one, I think it very clearly is a positive for Pierre Brooks. Mm. Um, I think if Amani had come, I think if, and you assume that Michigan State does add a veteran wing somewhere along the line here, which I, I believe they would have done anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, the guy who stood to lose minutes in that equation was probably Pierre. Yeah. And so it's a positive for him, for sure. Um, but as you say, from Michigan State perspective, um, you know, yeah, you take a kid who can score the way Imani Bates can score. But I don't know. Let's put it this way. With the way Michigan State's roster has evolved and what we saw last year, all of that, would adding Imani Bates to that team as it's currently constructed make them a team that you could reliably project as a national title contender next year? I don't know if I believe that. Mm-hmm. Um, so taking him off doesn't 
really change that too much, you know. There have been times where a decision by a particular recruit, I think, could be argued to have had that kind of impact. Um, you know, if you think about certain situations over the years, um, I, I go all the way back to Judd's era. If Chris Weber had gone to Michigan State, as many people believed he was set to before things got crazy on a number of levels, would that team with Steginga and Peplowski and all those guys, Respert, would that team with a freshman Chris Weber added to it have been a national championship level team instead of just a very good team? Mm-hmm. Yes, I believe that. Wholeheartedly, I believe that. Um, you know, uh, you think about other teams, I guess. I don't know if I believe this one, but there were changed very much, but people often talk about Jabari Parker. In 2013. I don't know if I believe that in part because I don't think that team had a screaming need. I think he would have made them better in some ways, but he was also really bad defensively. And, and, and that team, all that team needed was to stay healthy and get just a little bit of luck. That Mm -hmm. 2014 team, that's the team that, remember, after an up-and-down, injury-filled regular season, got all the way to the Elite Eight before losing to Connecticut. But I don't think their loss to Connecticut was because they were a player short. I think it was because Keith Appling had a bum shoulder, and they just hit kind of a bad day, and Shabazz Napier went nuts. Yeah. So, you know, would Jabari – but you could argue that. So there have been a a handful, you know, would would, – would Jackson have been a difference maker on the 2016-17 team? I think at the time he was being recruited, we thought Josh Jackson might be that kind of difference maker. I think the way that season unfolded with injuries to a lot of veterans, I don't think Josh Jackson would have made that team a national title contending team. They would have been better, but I still think their ceiling was probably Sweet 16 Elite Eight. Um, So there haven't been a lot of circumstances over the years where you could say, well, one guy is the difference between that and as a freshman between being a title contender and not. And I don't think Amani Bates really with this particular team, the way it's unfolded, I think when he committed last year, I think we thought maybe that Uh now the way it looks, I don't know that I'm convinced of that. You know, I think this, this team could be very good. Don't get me wrong. I'm optimistic about it, but I don't think he solves – there's a lot else that has to come together for this team. You know, Tyson Walker has to be legit at the point, and yeah. I think he will be, but he has to be. Marky Bainham and and Julius Marble and Matty Sissoko have to be better than they were last year at the five. I think they can be, but they need to be. None of those things have anything to do with what Imani Bates would bring. Yeah. yeah. Right? And those are the critical things, in my opinion. And, you know, I like where um, Gabe Brown's head's at. Right after yeah. this news came out, he went on an interview with Andy Katz. Uh, I'm sure yep. some people have seen. Uh, and he just looked like he was confident. It's all, it all get up. You know, like he's – like uh, if it's not going to be Amani, uh, you know, I'm you know ready to take over and lead this team. I well, thought that was really, you know, really it, cool to see. It was. It was a good interview. And, you know, what's funny is there have been – there's such a thing as 
good rumors and bad rumors, okay? And bad, a bad rumor has floated around basically since the loss to UCLA. It's periodically come around that, oh, Gabe Brown's thinking about leaving. That, yeah. This should have this should have put that to rest, and that was one. When I say a bad rumor, I don't mean bad in the sense of oh, it's bad implications. I mean bad as in that's badly sourced. That's not right. true. Um, Just pure and, conjecture. Yeah, and and you saw if you watched that interview today. And why would get you know Gabe is is very confident in that interview about Michigan State being a very good team next year. Mm. And you know something? Why shouldn't he be? Yeah, Gabe Brown. Gabe Brown's played three years of basketball at Michigan State he's been to one final four he would have had a legitimate chance to get to a second he's been part of two Big Ten championship teams why the hell wouldn't he be confident mm. you know? I mean I'm not I, I think it's great to see you need it and this team does have a leadership void I think we talked in the last podcast you know one thing that hasn't been dwelled on very much is who's going to be the captain next year yeah well I think Gabe Brown just kind of put his flag down, right? Yeah. That's good to see. Yeah. And this team's going to need that. They're going to need, you know, it's great to have all this incoming talent between the three freshmen and, and Tyson Walker and, and whoever else they might add in the portal. But you need some veterans to step up. And Gabe Brown is, you know, he and Marcus Bingham are the, the gray beards, believe it or not. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's what they are. They're both going into their fourth year in the program. They're the only two men left standing out of that five-man recruiting class mm-hmm. um, that they were that they were a part of in 2018, which is kind of hard to believe now that you think about it, but it's true. And so, and I love Marcus, but I don't think you want to count on Marcus Bingham being a leader right now I don't know if he he's got a lot just to handle on his plate getting himself in the right spot you know but Gabe Gabe's done a little more than Marcus has in his career and I think I think you know maybe he's ready maybe he's ready to take that next step you know Aaron Henry I thought did it last year I thought did a really good job well now it's Gabe's turn to step into that role so that was that was good to see that was maybe the most encouraging thing about that interview um, is that he seems ready to take on that role. And, and beyond Gabe, it's hard to figure out who that, you know, uh, the other leader is going to be. I mean, uh, you know what, if I, if I had to, if I had to pick somebody, I think it would probably be Malik Hall, but that's just a guess. I mean, maybe marble, maybe, maybe, but you know, he seems like I, he's I got think, the, the work ethic for it. He does, but I think you've gotta you gotta look for somebody you know, there's there's a couple things there. There's leadership, but then there's also there's always this debate about do you have to be a guy who's done some things on the court for teammates to follow you? Now right. MSU had Foster Lawyer is one of the guys in that role last year, and he hadn't done as much as a typical captain would have. But I think, you know, Foster was kind of a an exception in that sense I, I would probably lean right now my guess would be Gabe and Malik Hall just because they're the two guys who have arguably done the most mm-hmm. which tells you where Michigan State is in terms of you know returning resumes of talent yeah you know they, they don't have a lot but I'll remind people before you get too wound up about that the team that went to the final four 
also did not have a lot in the way of big producers coming back. Cassius Winston was coming off a very good sophomore season, but he was kind of what? The fourth build guy on that team or fifth, depending upon how you felt about Josh Langford. He wasn't a captain going into that year. Right, right. Um, You know, Xavier Tillman had come on as a freshman, but his actual production had been pretty limited. Um, Nick Ward was arguably the most productive guy on that team. Yeah. Um, and, and of course, Josh Langford got hurt. Before he got hurt, he had more production. But I guess my point is, I'm not particularly worried about that aspect too much. I think Michigan State's going to have plenty of talent. Mm-hmm. I think it's about, do they get improvement at those key positions? And how does it all fit together? Do they find roles in a rotation that everybody's comfortable with and excelling in? And if they can and get and get improvement from some key guys, you know, mm-hmm. um, that's going to be the key to how good they are. But in terms of what goes into leadership, yeah, it's tough. It's tough just because you don't you don't have those guys with track records the way we normally come to expect that from Michigan State. You know, it's yeah. it's just a different thing this year. Uh, so, you know, anything else sort of on the Imani front? Um, you know, it's it's a it's a shame in the sense that, you know, I, he's had a rough year. I mean, let's be honest about it. It's yeah. it's been a tough year for Imani Bates, and and I don't mean I am not remotely suggesting. Oh, good riddance, who cares? He was overrated, blah, blah. I don't believe any of that. I still think Imani Bates can be an exceptional player. He is exceptionally talented. But the conclusion I would draw from what's gone on for him this year is there's still a lot of growth that's got to come in his game. And a big part of that is learning to play effectively within a team concept. Mm-hmm. You know, he hasn't done a lot of that. And when he has done that, I think the most that he's done that was when he was in high school at Ypsilanti Lincoln. And you know what? He was pretty damn successful there, and so was his team. They won a state championship when he was a freshman, and they might have repeated as when he was a sophomore, but for COVID, yeah. shutting it down. So I don't I don't buy this notion that, oh, he's a me-first guy. I don't buy any of that. I just think he has – that's why I thought Michigan State would potentially be really good for him because he would be forced to learn to play more effectively within a team concept, and he'd be surrounded by a lot of really good talent. I mean, Amani Bates has never played with a guy who's as good as Max Christie. Mm. He has, you know. Um He's never played with a big man with kind of the physical tools that a Marcus Bingham has. He just hasn't. So those things would I don't I don't think he's ever played well, we'll see. I don't know that he's ever played with a point guard who ran pick and rolls effectively as I think Tyson Walker will. So there's a lot of there's a lot of that stuff. I, I think it's also a shame because I like to see kids from the state of Michigan succeed and I'm I'm wondering if the path that's going to be chosen is ultimately the one that's going to put him on the best path to succeed. Yeah. That that's 
where I feel a little bit for it. And part of me also feels a little bit disappointed for Izzo. I think he's fine. But, you know, so many times Tom Izzo's done this dance with guys at the very top of a recruiting class. And finally, he had one of these guys commit to him, you know, the, the best player in the country, a generational talent. He came so close with Jabari Parker, hmm. so close with Josh Jackson. You know, this has happened a few times. And then guys who were just merely among the best in their class, like Isaiah Stewart or Vernon Carey or Caleb Swanigan, you know, and and he finally had this guy and then this this happens. But I think if Amani does what he thinks I'm what I think he's gonna do and he goes pro, um, I think it stains less. If he goes to another college, I'll be flabbergasted. Uh. That, that at that point I will just think it, it, none of it makes any sense. None of it would make any sense at all if he did that. And I don't think he will. Um, but we'll see. I mean, it's there's only two people that really know what's going to happen. And neither one of them is me. Mm-hmm. So uh, I, that's kind of where I land. I, you know, again, I think the, the most interesting thing right now for Michigan State fans is – Michigan State's got 11 scholarship slots filled, which means they have two more they could add. They are not currently listed as in on anybody in the transfer market. Now, did we, you know, I, I, I'm i sorry. I apologize to the listeners because I lose track sometimes. We talked about Rocket Watts, right? We haven't talked about the rumors that he may come back. Okay, I couldn't remember whether we had or not. So we should address that. We'll, mm-hmm. we'll move on to that. There have been rumors, and, and I would classify those as good rumors. Okay, those are well-sourced. That there have been some discussion about Rocket returning to Michigan State. Now, I I was at a point where I was starting to lean toward believing that might actually happen. I'm not there now, but I still don't rule it out. Um, One of the things that I think has happened is I think that some of those around Rocket believed that there would be a different potential market, so to speak, Uh. for him than there actually is. And I think that is part of what has fueled this talk. Um, I also am of the understanding that Tom Izzo does not look negatively upon Rocket at all. I think he's been pretty clear about that. And I think he would welcome him back, provided that certain things were clear to everybody. I don't think, by the way, I don't think Rocket's ever been the problem. I don't think Rocket ever wanted to leave. You know? That's not but, the sense I got either. I... Yeah, no, I, I think you're correct. That, that's my understanding is he didn't really want to leave, but he had those around him who, if you remember, and I'm sure many of our listeners do, Rocket committed to Michigan State in, what was it? Was it the fall of 18, I guess? Mm-hmm. And then didn't sign his letter of intent in the early period that November. My reaction at the time was, well, when that happens, the kid's not coming. And I figured he was going to end up anywhere else but Michigan State. That didn't happen. In the spring, he signed his letter of intent. He came to Michigan State. 
the reason all that happened is the kid always wanted to come to Michigan State. Some of those around him didn't love that idea. And that's why it was held up. Hmm. I think you flash forward two years later or three years later almost, and his decision to transfer was because those around him who didn't really think Michigan State was the place for him initially had more ammo because of the way the season went. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think that's why the, I know that's why this decision happened for him to leave. The, the trick now, though, is if he's going to come back, what, who is he in Michigan State's rotation, their team, right? Mm-hmm. Now, we've talked about I've said it over and over. I think the most glaring need for this team is a wing with experience and who can defend. Well, Rocket does have experience, and when his head is straight, he can be a very good defensive player. Yeah. So I think he would tick those boxes. But the issue is, is there an acceptance by all parties involved of what that role would be? Because I think at least initially, on a Michigan State team next year, your starting wings are Gabe Brown and Max Christie. That That's my assumption. And I don't think Rocket Watts being on the team would change that. Mm-hmm. I still think it would be those two guys. So, and we know Tyson Walker is going to be the starting point guard, and Jade Nakins is going to be the backup. So, and you still got Hogard for whatever that's worth. So, there's no real role for Rocket there. So, what that means is he'd have to be willing to accept a backup role. Now, at Michigan State, you know, a backup can be playing 20 plus minutes a night. Yeah. You know, I don't think that means, hey, you're playing 10 minutes a game. That, that's, But he'd have to be willing to accept that, and I think he'd have to be willing to accept that there would be some changes needed. One of the things that's become very clear is that um, there's a belief within Michigan State staff that Rocket didn't work hard enough at his game on his own last year. The off season. Mm-hmm. Now you can, you can write some of that off to COVID and, and all of that, but I, I think at, at any program, this is one of the things a lot of people don't understand. They give coaches credit for player development. And yeah, coaches deserve some credit for player development, but they're limited at, at the college level and how much they can do. And, and I mean literally limited by NCAA regulation in terms of how much they can do. They can only have a certain amount of practice time in the off season with them. They they can't be on the court with them very much. So that puts the onus on the player. And most of Michigan State's guys have been self-interested enough in their own development that they work hard at it. There's there's a belief that Rocket didn't work hard enough in the off season, um, at his game, and you know I, I just have to take that at face value, mm-hmm. you know, and I think I think you put that together with what we saw on the court, and it would be hard to argue that oh well he obviously looks like a guy that just busted his ass, yeah. you know I, I don't think he did, so that would have to change, you know there's certain things from both ends that would have to happen in order to make such a marriage work. 
on the other hand, um, I wonder if everybody involved, and again, the problem would not be on the Michigan State side, but I wonder if everybody else involved could live with the idea of coming back to Michigan State. Would they feel like that was too much of uh, a capitulation in terms of ego, et cetera, mm-hmm. to, to do that, you know? And I, I'm Let's put it this way. I thought about a week ago that there was a decent chance that this would happen. I'm inclined to believe it probably doesn't happen now, but Michigan State, I keep saying this every time we do one of these, their name is not associated with anybody right now in the portal. Yeah. Now that just can mean there's nobody they've liked sufficiently. But, you know, it does, it does explain, so this, this rocket thing, does explain a little bit of that that they've they've not been in any rush to go out and just grab anybody and i don't think they will in general i do think there's a possibility although i would think it's small that they don't take anybody else mm-hmm. that they just go with these 11 guys i would i think that would be a mistake and i don't think that's likely but it's possible yeah. um you know we know what they need and if we know it, Tom Izzo sure as hell knows it. But I think he's he's trying to kind of thread a needle. Mm-hmm. You know, M- Michigan did a really good job last year uh, in identifying and landing the, the Chaundy Brown kid. Um, the Mike Smith edition got more attention because it was a starting role at a critical position, and, and I understand it. But finding a kid who was as good as Chaundy Brown was and yet, was a, was willing to come in and play a role and not be the guy, not be getting 15, 16 shots a night, but come in, defend, play your role offensively, you know, get your, I don't know what that kid averaged, but it was probably around 20 minutes or so a game, maybe yeah. a little bit more. Um, that's uh, the kind of addition I would like to see Michigan State make because – Right now, as it stands, you've essentially got Pierre Brooks and then, you know, Jaden Akins swinging to a, a wing spot off the ball at times as your backup wings. And that's it. Mm-hmm. I don't think that's enough. I think they need one more body. I think they'll get it. I just don't know who it'll be. I tend to think right now the person who will fill that role has not yet entered the portal. So... Well, you know, I would like to see Rocket back. If it's if it's uh, a decision where Rocket says, "This is my decision. I want to play here. I'm coming back," and he's just going to have to separate himself from all the other BS. And, yeah. And if that's if that's the route he wants to go, I would think that they would welcome him back, and he would have a oh, they would. sense of uh, of work and and. They that's would. A, that's I think a good position to be in. They would. You're 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 absolutely correct. I don't think I don't think there's much doubt about that. If that were the case, I just don't think that's as likely to happen. Um, he already did it once. He essentially cut against the grain of those around him who didn't believe it was the right move. Now the reasons for that, 
uh, I think are ludicrous. Uh-huh. But there, there is a perception among some people that Tom Izzo coaches a restrictive brand of basketball, which if you've paid any attention at all to the guys who played at Michigan State, you would know is a dumb-ass talking point that has no basis in reality. Mm-hmm. Was Cassius Winston a guy who his last two years looked like he was straight-jacketed? How about Denzel <laughs> Valentine? How about Denzel Valentine? How about Draymond Green? <laughs> yeah. Now, they what I will board. say, full board. What I will say is, you have to earn that trust. Yeah, that's true. But when you earn it, you are given the opportunity to play freely, mm-hmm. and those guys did, and they excelled doing that. You know, um, but I, I think it's it's asking a lot. And I've I've said this many times, you know, I remember when Josh Jackson was being recruited and the dynamic was very, very clear. Josh Jackson wanted to play at Michigan State. I mean, I have that on very, very good authority. He told the coaches he was coming. He told guys in that recruiting class he wanted to be with them. He was from Michigan. He'd grown up an MSU fan. It was all there. His mother did not want him at Michigan State. Did not want it. And I remember people saying, "Well, he's got to—he's got to be his own man. He's 18. That's—that's that's really easy to say. Yeah, really easy. If most people put themselves in a position of having to tell their parent, sorry, I think you're wrong. I'm going to do this.' That's asking a lot. It is. That is. It happens." I mean, Malik McDowell was the classic example of it from Michigan State perspective. His mother didn't want him at MSU, and he wanted to be at MSU, so he defied her, and eventually she knuckled under and signed the signed the uh, the agreement. Mm-hmm. But it took a lot. Um, that's rare that a kid would have that. And, and again, Rocket already did this. He already fought within his own family to get them to agree to his coming to Michigan State the first time. If you're asking him to do it again, and and then you've got this added specter of a really bad season under his belt at MSU, whatever the reasons were for that, that gives people who are inclined to believe he's at the wrong place all the ammo they need, right? Mm-hmm. I just think it's asking a lot. I Again, I, I don't rule it out. But and, and if the circumstances were as you described, I'd be all for it. I I think he's everything I've ever heard about him is that he's a great kid. Maybe maybe he's not one that's had enough um, self motivation to work as hard as he needs to all the time. But I think he's a great kid. He he came in kind of an okay at best student, and I just saw that he was on the academic honor roll. This yeah. year, 12 um, of the <laughs> Yeah, I, I think that, you know, there are a lot of things that you can look at as real positives. And, I it, you know, his teammates seem to like him. You know, I, I I think he I think I'd be all for it, too, if he was of the right mindset and understood what it was he was signing on for. But. I just don't, I'm not as I'm not 
as much a believer in that being what ultimately happens as I might have been, say, even a week ago. Mm-hmm. Just take that for what it's worth. I could yeah. be wrong. I don't rule it out, but I, I would lean toward it being unlikely right now. Um, but again, they're not being mentioned with anybody else. So I think it's, I think it's a matter of Izzo really wanting to make sure it's the right addition. The right guy with the right kind of right. skill set, the right kind of experience, and also and there's still no I, rush right now. I mean, right? There's not. We're at, we're at the beginning of May, so there's time. And believe it or not, despite all the portal activity we've seen, there are going to be more guys. Yeah, yeah, that become available. And so I think it's it's a matter of threading that needle. The other thing too is it would be really nice. I, I go back to this as an example. Um, Michigan State has not shown an interest in him, and it, it actually I saw something the other day that it seems like he's going to stay pro, which is weird to me. But Daryl Morsel from Maryland—that's an example of a kind of guy I think would be a great addition. Where he's a a defense first player, a leader, has some toughness. Those are things Michigan State could use. Mm-hmm. You know, so it's not going to be him. But somebody kind of like that, I think, would be what they need. And I, I'm still of the belief that they're going to add somebody, at least one guy, mm-hmm. maybe two. And they just got this preferred walk-on um, from St. Mary's, um, Peter Inwoke. Yeah, that's a re- that's a and really – This is really interesting, Rod. That, reading the story on this kid, this is an interesting pickup. Yeah, he's – He's a guy that just ticks every Michigan State box, right? Mm-hmm. And except for the things this program has been about, excellent student, better than a 4.0 grade point average, came to Orchard Lake St. Mary from Nigeria for academic reasons first. Mm-hmm. Um, basketball was kind of a secondary issue. Um. Everybody, I think he speaks five languages fluently. Yeah, that's where I've read that too. Yeah, just, you know, ticks every box. We've spent no time, ta- or very little time. I think his name might have come up a couple years ago when he was a sophomore, just in a general discussion of guys within the state that maybe might progress mm-hmm. to the point that they'd be Big Ten recruits. He didn't quite get to that level. But he's been part of some very good Orchard Lake St. Mary teams. They were outstanding this year. They were the best team in Division One in the regular season. And then they got beat in, I think it was either the regionals or the quarterfinal, I can't remember which, by Grand Blank, who ended up winning the state title. It was an outstanding team in their own right. Um, but Orchard Lake St. Mary was really good. They have um, They have a kid, Julian Roper, who's going to Northwestern next year. Uh, they have a point guard, Kareem Rozier, who is an outstanding player who's going to be a senior next season. And then Nuoke, I believe, averaged a double-double for them. He's six. Yeah. We should talk about what he is. He's six seven, maybe about 215, 220. I think if you look at him, it is it is not hard to think about comparisons to somebody like Kenny Goins. Mm-hmm. Uh, Kenny Goins was a great student. Kenny Goins was, like Peter Nwoke, a guy who had Division One offers. Uh, Nwoke had an offer from Oakland, and I think he had at least a couple of other 
D1 offers. So he could have gone to play for free elsewhere. And apparently this came together pretty quickly. My understanding is uh, DJ Stevens identified him as a guy they'd like to add as a PWO about three weeks or so ago. And it all came together very quickly. He decided to accept. And so now he's going to be part of the program. If you watch clips of him, you're going to see a guy that probably will make you think, why didn't he have more D1 offers than he had? <laughs> and because there's real game. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's got a post game, legitimately. I'm, I'm not saying he's Nick Ward tomorrow, but he's he shows you in those clips, you see a, a nice early developing post game. He's a very good rebounder, good size and strength, and I think he's a guy that you could project down the line as being someone who could help Michigan State. Mm-hmm. The same way that Kenny Goins was a guy who did that. The same way that Austin Thornton was a guy who did that. Yeah. There's history here, you know? And I think Nwoke is a guy who, at least at this stage, appears to belong in the discussion with guys like those two. You know, where, where you look at him and think there's a legitimate chance this guy could be in the rotation at some point in his MSU career. I, I'll say this. Between him and a couple of football players who may be on the team at some point next yeah. year, Michigan State's scout team is going to have some serious horsepower athletically and, and otherwise. Um, I know we've talked a little bit at times about Keon Coleman, who's a wide receiver recruit from Louisiana, put up insane numbers in basketball down there in in a lower classification i'm not convinced on keon coleman as a basketball player Mm -hmm. and if you look at his clips you see crazy athletic ability i understand all that but my belief is always if you're going to be a successful two-way player two-sport player it's very very difficult to do it well as a skill position guy, as a yeah. perimeter guy. And that's what Keon Coleman is. And, and the reason I say that is anybody who's played basketball knows the first thing that goes when you're not playing regularly are the skill things, your mm-hmm. ability to shoot. You know, those types of things tend to disappear. And so he projects, he's 6'4", but he's obviously like a, a wing. He, he insists he's a point guard, which, I mean, forget that, but Honestly, the the one guy who did it at an incredibly high level, in my opinion, is Charlie Ward. That's a long time ago. Yeah. It's <laughs> a really long time yeah. ago. And it just doesn't seem so. I, and it's gotten even rarer. Yeah, it has. Been. It has. I, I'm not saying it's impossible, but I, I hold out very little hope that he will ever be a guy who makes an impact on the basketball court for MSU. I'd love to be wrong because he's a, he's a gifted athlete. That much is clear, but I have much more hope for him as a wide receiver than I do as a guard. Um, the other guy though, and I don't think we've talked about Malik Carr, have we? No, we haven't. No. Well, we need to. <laughs> I love Malik Carr and I've loved Malik Carr since I saw him as a 15 year old in AAU. Mm-hmm. Um, Malik Carr is a transfer from Purdue who signed at Purdue 
for football and is a wide receiver, maybe a tight end. Goes about 6'5", 6'6". He's physically strong, probably about 220 pounds, 230 pounds. Mm. Um, He's the kind of guy that I think, if there was a need, might have a chance to pull this off. And the gold standard at Michigan State, of course, is Matt Trannon. Yeah. For this. Now, I don't want to compare him to Matt Trannon because that, that's a little unfair to Malik in this sense. I don't know whether everybody, I think some people realize this, probably everybody doesn't. When Matt Trannon was younger, like when he was a sophomore in high school, he was a top 10 basketball recruit in terms of his rankings. Mm-hmm. He was that good. Now, he started to slip as time went on and as football became the focus, you know, he wasn't. But, but there was a point in his in his high school career where he was seen not just as a guy capable of playing D1, but potentially an elite D1 player. Yeah, like the next great Flint basketball player. Like Right, big right. Guy. And so when he ended up playing for Michigan State, they had a need for a very specific kind of player. If you remember that team, so we're talking about the Final Four team, right, mm-hmm. in 2005. They had so many pieces. They had so many wings, they didn't know what to do with them all. Um, <laughs> they really you know, did. You, had, you had Shannon Brown, you had Mo Ager, you had Kelvin Torbert. I mean, it, at, at guard, you had Drew Neitzel playing as a freshman that year. You had Chris Hill. You had all those guys on the wing. Anderson, the, yeah. To the point that another wing, Alan Anderson, ended up starting at the four. Because, and they had Paul Davis at the five. But they didn't have a true four man. So Alan Anderson played there and, and was great. Had a fantastic senior year. Really did the job. Kind of was ahead of his time in some ways as a, a stretch four, a mismatch uh-huh. four. Right? That Those guys weren't as common back then as they are now. But they needed somebody who could give them backup minutes. And specifically, they needed somebody who was an ass kicker. They needed somebody who could rebound, who could defend, who didn't need shots to be happy. Yeah. And could just go out and be physical with people and intimidate and all of that. Well, Matt Trannon could do all of those things walking in straight off the football field. Yeah. And he did. <laughs> yeah. He was like, like five or six games into the season or something like that. Maybe more yep. than that. Maybe it was like more 10. than that. 10 or yeah. 12 into the season. Yep. It was it was like late December early January, right? Yeah. Which is where you hope you're at cuz if you're if you're earlier than that, that means your football team had a really bad year. <laughs> yeah. But um Matt Trannon was the best two sport guy Michigan State's ever had in my lifetime in basketball. Mm. Um most of the time when they've had guys you know, they tended to be – Andre Risen's a great example. Andre Risen was a tremendous high school basketball player as a point guard at Flint Northwestern. If he'd been basketball first, I have no doubt he could have been really good at the at the D1 level, maybe even a Big Ten caliber player. But because he didn't play basketball regularly, when he tried it, he was a disaster. He was terrible. You know, it's really hard to do that. But if you're asking a guy to rebound and defend and he's got the physical tools to do that the way Matt Trannon had, Mm -hmm. that's doable. Malik Carr is that kind of kid. Malik Carr played for the family. So he was a teammate of – he was on the team with Jalen Terry, 
um, Ernie Sanders, Scooby Johnson, Isaiah Jackson, all those guys who won the Peach Jam as 15-year-olds. Mm-hmm. Um, I loved watching Malik Carr play basketball. I've never seen him play football. I've only seen him play basketball, but I've seen him play basketball a ton. A ton in AAU and a couple of times for Oak Park High School. And Malik Carr is a blast because he plays incredibly hard. He has a great motor. He's physically gifted enough in terms of strength and athleticism to compete inside at like 6'5", 6'6". And he plays with an edge. That's the thing I really loved about him. I saw Malik Carr as a 15-year-old playing a game. I was one of maybe 10 people watching it um, against, I think it was the Alabama Fusion in AAU. (laughs) And they're playing. Kid from Alabama gets called for a foul, and he's bitching to the ref. I've told this story on the Spartan Mag board before, but I'll repeat it here. And I told it at the time, actually. Um this is because this was an EYBL event in uh-huh. Indianapolis. Kid from Alabama gets called for a foul. He's bitching at the ref. The call went against him, and the ball's going to the family. And Malik Carr walks over to the ref because he's going to inbound. And Malik Carr turns to the ref, and the kid can hear him, the kid from Alabama. And Malik Carr says, ref, I don't know what the problem is with that guy. Maybe he's on his period. <laughs> and And the kid – the Alabama kid was not happy. The ref <laughs> laughed. But what could he do? What could the kid do? That gives you just a little bit of insight into Malik Carr's personality as I observed it. I'm not uh, pretending to know the world about the kid. Um, he's related to uh, DJ Stevens, by the way. Really? So there is a fam- yeah, there's a familiar relationship. His dad is Cornell Mann. Cornell Mann is an assistant basketball coach at Missouri. And he's bounced around. He's been a number of different places. He's a guy that once upon a time uh, was considered a candidate for an opening at Michigan State. I I tend to think that time's probably come and gone. But there was a point that he was kind of in that mix. He is DJ Stevens' cousin. I believe I have that right. So there's a familial tie here. But I'm not guaranteeing anything. But if there's a time where Michigan State has a need for a four-man who they just say, look, just go guard somebody and rebound and get under people's skin. Malik Carr can do those things, and I think he could do them tomorrow. And well, so that's I, what that's, they need. I mean, is he also playing for the football team? Yeah, he's, he's a come- football transfer. Oh, so he's – Yeah, okay. that's, All right. that's the thing. So he's one of two guys, Keon Coleman and he – who supposedly are going to try to play basketball, but they are football scholarship players. Malik Carr was brought in, again, as a wide receiver recruit. I've seen some suggestion they might try him at tight end. Um, I've never seen him play football, but people who have, I know Jim Comperoni was really enthusiastic about him in high school. For whatever reason, Mark D'Antonio didn't get in on that recruitment until late. He really held off on offering him until it was way too late. Um, my understanding from people like Jim, who follow this stuff in football closely, is that Malik Carr is a, was a really good prospect and should have been offered mm. at an earlier stage. If he had been, he would have been a Michigan State guy. That's my understanding is he grew up loving Michigan State. 
he wanted to be at Michigan State, so now he is. But, uh, you know, I'm not making any promises about what he will end up doing, if anything, in basketball. But I can tell you this. I'm enough of a believer that I think if they've got a need in a particular year, they need a guy to just come in, play some minutes as a defender, and, and he's a great defensive player, or at least he was in high school. And AAU, I mean, he can guard a wide variety of people. He's tough. He's athletic. He works hard. He's got all the things you look for in a guy who can actually help you mm-hmm. as a football player first playing basketball. Yeah. So that's that's the one. You know, so many people freak out about it. I see it all the time from fans who I think just don't know enough about the history of this stuff who freak out about Keon Coleman. And as a basketball player, and I don't see that at all, but Malik Carr, yeah, that I get excited about because I think he could actually help you. Mm-hmm. So you put, let's assume those two guys actually end up playing basketball for a while next year at least. You put those two guys and Peter and Woke on a scout team, that's pretty good. <laughs> yeah, you, you could have some competitive practices athletically if no other way. You know, um, so that those are really I'm, I'm excited by Woke for sure, because I think he's a guy that down the line could mature into an actual player, a guy who's in the rotation and helps you. And then with Malik Carr, like I say, I wouldn't rule out his ability to help Michigan State basketball at some point down the line. Mm-hmm. I don't know if I believe, you know, short of injuries. I don't really see an obvious path this year because between between Hall and Hauser, I think they got the four pretty well covered, and that's what Malik Carr would be, in my opinion, is a four. Mm -hmm. Um, But man, who knows? A year later, who the hell knows? And I think he's I think he's got the tools. Maybe he could do it. All right. Well, uh, anything else that you can think of uh, for now, Rob? Um, maybe just real quick, just touch on um, some high school stuff. Um, there was, uh, well, Michigan State had a pretty important offer. They've only offered two guys in the 2023 class, which is mm-hmm. next year's high school juniors. The first was Cam Christie, and I had actually, it happened so long ago I'd forgotten about it. But obviously you would think Michigan State will be in that one pretty seriously. Uh-huh. Uh, all indications are he's on a similar track to Max as a player. Probably going to be a similar size. They look very similar. Uh, so that's one to watch for. But they made their second offer this weekend to a kid from Ypsilanti Lincoln named Braylon Green. Mm-hmm. And Braylon Green is a 6'3", let's call him a combo guard because he does play some point in high school. I think he'll be off the ball at the next level, but he's somebody to be legitimately excited about. Mm-hmm. He is a plus plus athlete. Look up some clips, listeners, if you haven't seen him already. This kid can get up and, and he could shoot. He's improved as a shooter. You know, I think in, in some ways, I think he's, he's built a little more solidly, but his progression kind of reminds me a little bit of Jaden Nakins. I'm not saying they're the same player, but just in terms of the way that he was really impressive athletically early on, but as his high school career has progressed, you've seen him get better as a shooter. 
Mm-hmm. And that's important, obviously. So he's only the, he's the second offer in the class. There are a lot of guys in that 23 class in state that I think are probably going to be worthy of Michigan State offers. And I think we've talked about some of them here before. Yeah. A uh, couple point guards, R.J. Taylor, whose team won uh, the um, run and shoot tournament in Fort Wayne, which used to be a big, big deal when I first started really doing this stuff and, and going to AAU tournaments, it, it had kind of faded in recent years with the rise of the EYBL circuit and Adidas's circuit. It wasn't quite as good. I mean, I saw a guy, Anthony Davis played in that thing no, when he was really? in AAU, you know? I mean, I saw, it was, it was Denzel Valentine, um, you know, it, it, tons and tons and tons of great talent played in that thing. And it was starting to become a, a little bit of a secondary tournament because the shoe company circuits were, were more prominent. But this year, the shoe company circuits are not active at the moment. So it was a better field. Mm-hmm. And the team that R.J. Taylor and a bunch of other guys play for, uh, Mean Streets, which is out of Chicago, um, they won. And that team had R.J. Taylor, who's a 2023 point guard from Grand Blank. He had a really exceptional championship game. Uh, I encourage listeners, look out Jim Comp, look up Jim Comperoni's, uh, posts on, I think they're on YouTube, his video. R.J. Taylor put on a clinic as a passer uh-huh. in that game. Just incredible. And if you watch the class, the class A division one, they're calling it now state championship game uh, a few weeks ago for grand blank, you know, RJ Taylor can shoot. I think he's a guy that there's a really good chance Michigan state will offer him. Mm-hmm. That's just my belief. Um, another guy, high level point guard, same class, Sonny Wilson plays for the family. Um, he has had a very good spring, had a very good high school season. Another name to watch. I already said they've offered Braylon Green in that class. There's another kind of combo guard type um, from E-Course named Malik Oliafor, uh, Oliafoye, sorry, um, who's a big-time scorer. That's another name to watch in that class. So a number of in-state guys to kind of keep your eye on in the 23 class. Um, in 22, that Mean Streets team that won the title has – Another big, big MSU target, Jalen Washington, who's a 6'9", very skilled forward um, out of Gary. And uh, it looks to me, don't take this 100% to the bank, but what I can gather, that recruitment is a Purdue-MSU battle. And Jalen Washington is legit. He's had some injury troubles in his high school career, but he's considered like a top 20 player nationally. Mm-hmm. He's really good. And, and Michigan State is right there on him. Um, so that's a name certainly to watch. Uh, that team also has um, Kareem Rozier, who I mentioned a few minutes ago, plays point guard at Orchard Lake St. Mary in the 22 class. If Kareem Rozier were three inches taller, I think he'd already have a Michigan State offer. The problem is he's not. Mm. Um, and... He's only they list him at five eight or five nine, I think they list him at. I think he's probably closer to like five seven. He's, mm. he here's here's what he is. He's the kind of kid 
who Big Ten teams won't offer. He'll go play for a mid-major. He will absolutely kill it. And then he'll probably end up, in the current rules, he'll transfer up at some point in his career. But I I don't think he's going to get a Michigan State offer, but I know that they they certainly are recruiting him. Um, Other names that were in action at other tournaments this weekend to keep in mind, Isaac Trout, who's a 6'9", very skilled power forward from Nebraska. Michigan State's in the lead pack there. And then uh, Jaden Shute, who's a uh, 6'5 wing from Illinois. I think the belief is that's Michigan State and Illinois mm-hmm. in that recruitment. Um, both of those guys have good, deep offer lists. Um, definitely players to watch. And then the other big name wasn't at the um, Spies tournament in Fort Wayne. I'm not sure if he played this weekend. A big kid from St. Louis, 6'11". Terrace Reed, I really like him. And Michigan State's also considered to be very much in the mix with with Reed. He'd be the guy I would most like to see right now as a recruit at the five. Uh-huh. Um, I think he'd be an instant impact guy offensively for sure. Um, back to the basket, kind of kind of old school big man in some ways, but yet he's athletic enough to run the floor. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I think he, those are the, the primary names right now. I think that that group of offers in both of those classes a, is going to expand. What about Ty Rogers? Yeah, Green. I was going to mention him. He He's also a big part of that Mean Streets team, that one piece. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he's really good. I don't think that's a Michigan State recruitment. I saw an interview with him today. He didn't mention Michigan State. And it's uh, funny because at times he will talk about Michigan State as if they're really recruiting him hard. And then at other times he doesn't even mention them. Uh, I, I don't think he's. it's a Michigan State party. Mm-hmm. Um, I've heard Syracuse mentioned for a long time with him. Michigan is recruiting him. He may, that may be an option. There's certainly some other schools that are in the mix, but, you know, he's a he's a really good player. I'm not sure if I believe he's great. Uh. He's, a, he's a guy who could develop. If, if he were willing to be a multi-year player in college, I think he's the kind of guy who, as an upperclassman, could absolutely develop into that. But I don't know if I believe that's the path that he will ultimately take. Mm-hmm. Um He's, for those who don't know, he's related to Jason Richardson, but he's also related to Tugs Bowen. Um, and it's probably more the latter <laughs> as to which way this, and I don't mean that he's going to be bought. He might, he might not. I have no idea. I'm not going to get into that, but it, it just doesn't seem like it's a recruitment that Michigan State has a lot of traction in. And it's too bad because I think he's a Tom Izzo kind of player. He's physically tough. Got a good motor. He's a very good athlete. I think his skill game is a little hit or miss right now. And I think that, plus the fact that at least as an offensive contributor, he tends to kind of drift in and out a little bit for my taste. Mm. Um, that holds him back from being an elite player. You know, he was a guy that at times you could watch him and say, why is this guy only a top 60 recruit instead of like a top 20? Uh, because there are times where he will show you things that you think, wow, that's that's a McDonald's All-American caliber talent. 
But then if you watch him over the course of a whole game, you start to get it because he's not consistently impactful, in mm-hmm. my opinion. That can change. That's the kind of thing that if you get with the right coach, you get in the right situation, they can find the answer to that and unlock it. Mm-hmm. But right now, that's what I think holds him back from being a truly elite recruit. You know, But I, I don't think that's a Michigan State recruitment. Let's put it that way. Okay. All right. Well, uh, anything else? I think that's it for now. Okay. Until next time, the Final Four is not on the schedule. At Granger, we're for the ones who pay attention to every little detail, the ones who fuss, tinker, and sweat the small stuff. Because you know the tiniest thing can make the biggest difference when it comes to keeping business moving. We get it. We're the same way, offering access to product experts to help you quickly and easily find what you need. So whatever your industry, you know you're always getting professional-grade products. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.